Welcome to Divine Truth Podcast with Dr. Stephen M. Huffman. Michael is a senior pastor with Emmanuel Baptist Church in beautiful Central Virginia. The purpose of this podcast is to teach and edify God's people through a verse-by-verse exposition of God's Word. To learn more about Emmanuel Baptist Church, please visit www.ebcmineral.com. And now, here is Pastor Michael Huffman. Finish this section uh, tonight, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and let's read the section again uh, so that we have in mind where we all, if you please stand out of respect for God's Word. We're going to read uh, verses 10 through 16 once again to see where we've been and where, where Paul, want, where the Holy Spirit wants to take us uh, tonight. Verse 10, but God hath revealed them unto us by his Spirit. For the Spirit searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the Spirit of man which is in him, even so the things of God knoweth no man but the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit which is of God, that we may know the things that are freely given to us of God. Which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judgeth all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. This is the word of God. Let's pray. Father, we ask you, Lord God, to uh, teach us your truth tonight. We praise you and thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Thank you very much. You may be seated. Paul is certainly giving us wonderful instruction here. Uh, at least it's been beneficial to me as I look at the life of the church. Uh, this church in particular, as you look at the life of Christianity, Paul is certainly teaching us here some key issues that we need to understand about ministry and about why we do ministry the way that we do. Um, Paul, by man's estimation, certainly Paul, by man's estimation in today's religious circles, was an absolute and total failure. Paul never got large crowds. Paul never preached to hundreds of thousands of people. Paul was never on TV. He's never had his own podcast, so I've got something on him. And uh, he never had his own website like we do. So Paul, in today's religious circles, was a failure. But we don't look at things in the realm of the way the world measures success, do we? We look at things and measure successes based upon, are we following the truth of God's Word? And if we are following the truth of God's Word, God has promised us success. Whether it's success measure that's measured by the world or not, it doesn't really make any difference as long as the success that we enjoy is the success as measured by God. And I believe that a ministry that is dictated by the Word of God is certainly a ministry that is blessed by God. The focus of this, of this ministry here at Emmanuel Baptist Church, I always wanted to be, and I know you do as well, I always wanted to be a focus on God's Word. 
We enjoy each other. We enjoy fellowships. We enjoy laughing. We enjoy making fun of each other, except especially Mrs. Agner back there doing the Fred Sanford trying to read the, uh, the hymn book. Maybe we need to get her a large print edition, James. We, we like to have fun with each other. We like to fellowship. But the main focus of Emmanuel needs to always be the Word of God. That needs to always be what radiates from this podium. That always needs to be what, it, what causes this church to be salt and light is the Word of God. Because it is only the Word of God that is going to instruct both us as believers, and it is only the Spirit of God working through the Word of God that's going to instruct those that do not yet believe. Men and women, boys and girls, are called to faith in Jesus Christ through the Spirit of God working only through the Word of God. This, folks, there is no other means by which men are saved than by the Word of God. Somewhere along the line, when somebody has gotten saved, they always have the Word of God as its root, as its source. Faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And so as a church... Our focus needs to be on the Word of God. Our focus needs to be on the Spirit of God working in our lives through His truth, His inspired, inerrant, infallible truth. And so we've looked at several things. We've looked at, I think, three things already we've, uh, about the Spirit because the Spirit is what is at work. Because, folks, listen, if we don't have the Spirit, we have nothing, right? If we don't have the Spirit, we have nothing. If the Spirit is not moving in each and every aisle, in each and every heart, we have nothing. If it's not Spirit-filled preaching, we have nothing. Somebody, have asked, somebody asked me before, why do you preach so loud? Y'all, have y'all ever wondered that? Why do you preach so loud? Well, that's why, because y'all are hard of hearing. I, re- I prefer to refer to it as passion. Does that sound better? Makes me feel better about myself at least. But the Word of God is something to be passionate about, isn't it? And it is the Spirit of God that works. That's what Paul says. But God, in verse 10, where we looked at the fact that, there, that we are, are indwelt by revealing Spirit, that it is the Spirit has re- hath revealed them unto us and what is the what is the them that is the pronoun that parts points back to the wondrous things about the gospel that paul talked about in verses one through nine you know where he said i have not seen ear neither ear heard the things that god hath prepared for those that believe in him you do remember that that has nothing to do with heaven by context but has to do with the gospel that we, have, we do not have the uh, ability to understand all of the wonders of the gospel. And that's why Paul says in verse 10 that it is the Spirit that reveals those things unto us. That's why we say that no one could ever be born again apart from the Spirit. Because it is the Spirit that works in the hearts and life of men and women, boys and girls, to, to raise them to life and bring them to faith. It is the Spirit that reveals that truth. It is not the charisma of the preacher. It is not the entertainment of of the music or the drama. But it is the Spirit that brings about all of this. 
It is the Spirit that awakens hearts. But not only did we talk about the fact that there is a revealing spirit, but we saw, also talked about in verse, the latter part of verse 10 that there is a researching spirit. That the Spirit of God, what's, he, what's Paul say? Searcheth all things, yea, the deep things of God. And then verse 11, we, last time we looked at, there is a reflecting spirit where Paul says in verse 11, For what man knoweth the things of a man, save the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, the things of God knoweth no man but the spirit of God. Folks, I don't know about you, but this verse is absolutely wonderful to me. It's absolutely extraordinary. I, I, I leapt from my, from my desk when I read it because what's that say to me? That says to me that the spirit of God living inside me gives the, me the ability to know God's mind. I can know what God's thinking. I don't have to sit back as a Christian and wonder, oh, I wonder if I'm doing things right. I wonder what God wants me to know. I have within me, Paul says in verse 11, a spirit that is able to tell me and teach me what God's thinking. And that's extraordinary to me. I mean, I'll make you have a, a fit if, if you're not careful because that, that's extraordinary to me that I can actually know what God's thinking. Right? This is, how, this is what God thinks. This is what God thinks about you personally before Christ. This is what God thinks about you after Christ. This is what teaches us about what God's thinking about our justification, about propitiation, about substitutionary atonement, about the sanctification, glorification. This is how we're taught that we're given the righteousness of Christ. This is the mind of God. You have in your lap the word of the living God, and it is the mind of Almighty God. And you have living within you a, a, a personal assistant, if you will, that researches all the things of God and tells you what God's mind is. God, what do you think about this? What's your thinking on this, God? Then you read the Bible. You study God's Word, and the Spirit through the Word of God teaches you, this is what I think. That's, that's wonderful. That's incomprehensible. It's unfathomable. The riches that we have through the Spirit. But let's go on to point number four. We have a recurring spirit. Paul says, Paul says in verse 12, which things also we speak... Not in the words of man's wisdom. Yeah, okay, there we go. Which of the things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Now notice the, now get the comparison here in verse 14. But the natural verse, but the natural man receiveth not. The things of the Spirit of God. For they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually, what? Discerned. It's important for us to understand, church, that divine truth can only be transmitted by divine source. And that divine source is the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God transmits divine truth to us. Because you see, folks, truth is spiritual it's not fleshy 
And so the Spirit that lives inside of you only reveals those things to you that are spiritual. The word receive there in verse 12 is lumbano, and it's an aorist tense, and it's speaking about an action that was in time past. Paul is teaching that from the moment that you trusted Christ as Lord and Savior, you did not, he says in verse 12, receive the Spirit of the world. And of course, Paul is not talking about there the physical world, but he's referring to the world's system. You and I, and I touched on this this morning when I said that it is impossible for a true believer to continually court the world. Why is that true? That is not only true because of what Jesus says in Matthew 7, but it is also true of what Paul says here in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 12, because we cannot court the world because we have not received the spirit of the world. The world system runs completely contrary to anything that has to do with the Spirit of God. And that's why, as believers, we are in total opposition to the system of the world. You know how someone can tell whether they're starting to not be led by the Spirit is if they start receiving the philosophies of the world. If, if someone starts receiving and giving credence to the philosophies of the world, that's sign number one that you're not being led by the Spirit. Because the Spirit will not allow you to adopt the philosophies of the world. You say, well, what about the philosophies of the world match the Bible? Well, they may get it every now and then. You know, even a blind squirrel finds a nut. So they may get it right from time to time. But as a normal course of life, the world system does not adopt God's system. And so when Christians start adopting the world system, that is sign number one that we're not being led by the Spirit that lives inside of us. Because we have not received that Spirit, Paul says. And so when we do ministry, when we do life as believers, we do not do them by the principles of the world system because that is not what we have received. That is why John says in his epistle that it is impossible for a believer to love the system of the world and really be a true believer, isn't it? John says in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15, love not the world. And of course, again, John is not talking about the physical realm of the world. He's talking about the world system. Love not the world's system, you could say, neither the things that are of that system. For if any man love that system, what's he say? The love of the Father is not in him. You cannot, church, love the system of the world and think that the love of the Father is in you at the same time. John's pretty clear on that, isn't he? For all that is in that system, the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life, is not of the Father, he says in verse 16, but is of what? The world, or it is of that system. And so when it comes to the life of the church, we do not give or receive any truth by means of the system of the world. Because, it's, because that is not the spirit that we have received, church. Truth cannot be discovered by man. Truth can only be discovered by the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God reveals that truth to His people because they have received the Spirit of truth. Because only, as we saw in the previous verse, only the Spirit knows the mind of God. Just like the only one that knows the mind of man is the spirit of the man, 
The only one that knows the mind of God is the Spirit of God. And that is the Spirit, folks, that we've received. Isn't that amazing? We've received the Spirit that knows the mind of God. At conversion, at salvation, every one of us received the Spirit of God so we know, so that we now have the ability to know the mind of God. You know, I guess, Jane, if you really want to be honest with it, it's kind of, uh, it's kind of inexcusable for a Christian to walk around not knowing what God's will is for their life, right? I mean, if we have living inside of us the Spirit of God that knows the mind of God, do we really have an excuse? Well, I don't know what God wants me to do. If we're truly seeking, I'm saying. If we're truly seeking what God wants in our life based on what the Word of God says, I don't know that I believe that Christians have any excuse for not knowing what God wants in their life. Because we have the Spirit living inside of us that knows the mind of God, right? We have the Spirit, not of the world system, but of the Spirit of God. And look what he says at the end of verse 12. Why have we received the Spirit of, of God? He says at the end of verse 12, that we might know the things that are freely given of us of God. The latter half of verse 12 begins with a henna clause, the word that in, the, in your English Bible. Whenever you see in your English translations the word that, you can, always be, you can always be assured that that's what we call a henna clause in the Greek. That is a purpose clause. You could literally translate it this way, for the purpose of or for the result to be. What does Paul say? Now, we have received not the spirit of the world, but we have received the spirit which is of God in order that or for the purpose that we might know thing, the things that are freely given to us by God. How do we know the things that are given to us by God? The Spirit of God working through what? The Word of God. Folks, listen, the Spirit of God isn't going to tell you things that you need to know of God by nature. Okay? You're going to know those things by the Word of God. Peter says in first Peter, or second Peter rather, chapter 1, verse 21, For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by what? The Holy Ghost. You have, a, you have a spiritual book. You have an absolutely infallible, inerrant, it is without error, it is incapable of error, inspired, truth guide from the mind of God. And it was given by holy men, the apostles and the prophets, who were moved along by the Holy Ghost. And by the way, that is the same Holy Ghost that lives inside you. Isn't it a wonderful circle? The same Holy Spirit that inspired the men, the prophets and the apostles to write the Word of God is the same Holy Spirit that lives inside you that knows the mind of God and can reveal truth. Why do people in churches search for truth in any other way but the Word of God? And you wonder why they're frustrated and we're, con we're in a constant battle for the truth? Because they never find it. Because they're looking for it in all the wrong places. And so we have the Spirit of God who alone, who alone knows the mind of the Godhead. And because He knows alone the mind of the Godhead, He, through the Scriptures, we know the things that are given to us. 
I'm reminded of the words of Jesus Christ in John chapter 14, verse 26. He says, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you what? Most things. All things. And bring what? All things to your remembrance. How many of you have ever been in a situation where you've been talking to someone or you've been, maybe you've taught a class or you've preached a sermon, you men, or, or something of that nature, and you were just rattling off, man. You were just, you were just going a mile a minute. And you, got, and you sat back and you thought to yourself after the fact, where in the world did that come from? You ever been there? Where did that come from? Sometimes I've preached sermons, I've sat down, I was like, where in the world did that come from? But sometimes I preach, I sit down, where did that come from? You know, where did it come from? Verse 26, Holy Ghost will teach you all things and will bring all things back to your remembrance. You can always live by this principle. If you've studied it and you know it, the Holy Spirit will give it to you at the moment that you need it. Okay? If you studied it and you know it, now nobody, the Holy Spirit, has never promised to give you anything by osmosis. But if, you read, if you've read it and you've studied it and you know it, the Holy Spirit, you may not be able to give a people a, a list of things that you know to be true about God, but I can guarantee you one thing, and I've lived it and you've lived it. When you need it, God makes sure that you get it. He does that through the person of the Holy Spirit, and that person of the Holy Spirit that lives inside you is the only one that knows the mind of God. He's the only one that knows what God's thinking, and he calls to your remembrance the things that God is thinking when you need it. Folks, listen, we have a wonderful relationship with the Godhead. I want you to understand that God, the, the Godhead, is not some cosmic force out there in space. It's impersonal. He actually works in the hearts and life of his people. And man, when I think for a moment that as Paul says here, that I have a spirit living inside me that gives me, that knows the mind of God and can tell me the mind of God, I don't need anything else but Scripture. That's why I say, that's why I've said a, a several, many, many times. The only thing I can promise you God will bless is what? His word. That's all I can promise you God will bless. I can't promise you God will bless music. I can't promise you God will bless drama. I can't promise you that God will bless anything else, but I can promise you he will bless his word. And that's why it's so vital that Emmanuel Baptist Church sticks with the word. Sticks with the word. The Spirit teaches us. The Spirit informs us. And what does the Spirit teach us? What does Paul say in verse 12? The Spirit teaches us all things that are freely given of a, to us of God. You know, as I thought about what's the most, what's the most precious thing that, that God's Holy Spirit can teach you? Well, there's a lot of things, isn't it? But for me, the most precious thing that God's Holy Spirit can teach me are, are those things that pertain to my salvation. It is the Spirit that teaches us and reminds us of the treasures that we have in Jesus Christ. That is why the world system can't fathom anyone that gets excited about Christ. So 
some years ago, somebody, some smart aleck went on my, went on the church's YouTube channel, and I don't, and I guess I was preaching, I don't remember who was actually preaching, I just got notified of the comment, somebody left a comment on, on somebody left a comment under the video, Brother Blue, and it says, good grief, calm down. That's right. It's probably a, it's probably a church member. It's probably Kevin. I did get a message on my on my iPad up here from a smart aleck church member. I won't tell you who it is, but his initials are Kevin. And I was preaching, and he sent me a message one night while I was preaching. Calm down, you're gonna give yourself a stroke. So I keep my tablet now on Do Not Disturb, so I don't see those things while I'm preaching. But that's why the world can't fathom that we get excited about Christ. Because they don't get it. That's why you have churches that feel like they have to cater to the world because the world doesn't get it. And so they have to do something to bring people in so that we can pay for our million dollar properties. And in order to do that, we got to cater to the world because they don't get anything else. They don't understand why we get excited over Christ. They don't understand why we get excited over the Word of God. It's totally foreign to them. Because guess what? Before you got saved, it was foreign to you as well. You say, what in the world's wrong with them people? They're crazy. I mean, how many times do you read in the book of Acts where the apostles were accused of being drunk by the world? Them people are drunks. I mean, the only thing they're not doing is foaming and chasing their tails. They're crazy. But that's, what, that's the world system. And that's why so many churches, unfortunately, seem like they f- feel like they have to implore fleshly methods to gain people of the flesh. That's all they got. Yeah, folks, listen, I want people that are unsaved to come in those, these doors and hear the gospel. But we're not going to form our church and form our ministry to make it comfortable for the flesh. Like I said this morning in the message, I want these seats and I want these each pew, each seat and every pew to be the most uncomfortable seat in all the world for an unsaved person. I want them to feel welcome, yes, but I want them to feel the conviction of the Spirit, and I don't want them to say, "Man, that was an awesome church, man." Man, if an unsaved person says of a church, "Man, that was totally awesome," what is that? That's why we. That's why we need to be more concerned to implore methods of the Spirit in our churches you know the church is a living organism and the church is a living organism that cooperates together and paul gives that analogy doesn't he in corinthians about the body fitly joined together and the and just because the just because one part says because i'm not this part i'm not as important as the other that's not true because the whole body is a this church emmanuel baptist church is a living organism we all work together for the glory of god and if one part is missing the body is dysfunctional and so we implore the methods of the Spirit. Methods of the flesh can only produce what? Jesus said in John chapter 3, verse 6, what? That which is born of the flesh is flesh. Flesh can only produce flesh. You may have 5,000 people in your church, but if you've implored fleshly means to get them there, then all you've got is 5,000 lost people. And that's not a church. 
That's not a church by the biblical definition, by any stretch of the imagination. That's not a church. It is a spirit that teaches us to treasure Christ. It is a spirit that teaches us the wonderful treasure of the fact that if God did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us, as Paul says in Romans 8, 32, he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also give us all things, what, freely? I love that adverb. And as believers, we appropriate the things the gifts of the Spirit by the work of uh, the gifts of salvation, rather, by the work of the Spirit in our life. That's why we're odd ducks to the world. And we are actually thrilled with the realization that our sins and our guilt has been removed. That thrills my soul. That thrills my soul that my guilt and sins have been completely removed. Somebody told me one time, they said, and they meant well when they said it, and they said, Pastor, I sure do wish God would allow me to forget my sins. And they meant well when they said it, and I, don't, and, and I understand because I know this person, and so I understand where their heart's coming from, because in, it probably in the way that they meant it, I wish <laughs> that God would do the same thing for me sometimes. Because sometimes we sin by the memory of sins. We conjure up that sin all over again by the memory of it, and we sin all over again. But there's a way in which also I'm glad God doesn't allow us to forget our sins. And this is the number one way. Because the, for me at least, because if God, since God does, allow, does not allow me to forget my sins, I am in a constant reminder of what a wretch I was and what God saved me from. And that's a constant reminder. And if I forgot my sins, then I would forget how much of a wretch I was and I would, and I would begin to think that, it's a, must, that I must be a pretty good guy. But God really got lucky when he got me. Yeah, 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 he's without sin, cast the first stone. And God reminds us, and memory is a wonderful thing sometimes, because it reminds me of the goodness of God. It reminds me of where I've come from, and it reminds me of the fact that I'm not what I used to be, but hallelujah, I'm not, I, I'm not what I'm supposed to be, but hallelujah, I'm not what I used to be. And the Spirit teaches us that. The Spirit teaches us that. You're not going to get that from the flesh. The only thing you're going to get from the flesh is that you've got to try to do this. You've got to conjure up this. You've got to try to do this. You've got to make this up. And you've got you've to do this. And you've got to do that. And you've got to do the other. The Spirit teaches us it's already done for you. It's already done. It's already, it's already completed work. We say, well, pastor, doesn't the word of God say to work out your own salvation? Yes, it does. Philippians chapter 2, it sure does. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. But listen, let me tell you something, folks. The only way you can work out this, your own salvation is the spirit of God that works in you. So the work is still already done. The work is still already done. Because it's the spirit that's the only one that can do it. We've been justified. These are the things freely given to us, Paul says. Verse 12, that we've not received the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us. 
We're thrilled when the Spirit teaches us that we've been reconciled to God. I've been redeemed. God purchased me. I didn't fall into God's family by accident. He bought me. He went out of his way and he said, I want Michael Huffman. I want him. And then he bought me. And then he looked at his son, Jesus Christ. You know what he said to Jesus Christ? He said, he said son, I love you so much. And I'm going to prove to you that I love you. I'm going to give you a love gift. Here's Michael. Boy, talking about getting a lump of coal for Christmas. But we rejoice in that, don't we? Because those are the things the Spirit teaches us. God bought us. He didn't have to. He would have been perfectly just, justified to send us all to hell. But He bought us. He justified us. He not only declared me to be righteous, but He gave me the righteousness of Christ. So that where He not only says, Michael Huffman is righteous... That's not only a declaration, but Michael Huffman really is righteous. Not because of Michael Huffman, but because of Jesus Christ. And in James's favorite, we, our sins have been propitiated. Don't you like that? That is James's favorite doctrine because that's probably mine as well. The doctrine of propitiation. You say, well, what's that, Pastor? All of you should know, but it's the doctrine of the satisfaction of God. That in Jesus Christ, His sacrifice satisfied the holy demands of God. And now I can go free. Because of the blood of the Lamb. The world doesn't teach you that stuff, folks. It's the Spirit of God that teaches you that. And we rejoice in those things. Those things that have, what adverb does Paul use there? Freely. Literally, without reservation, without remorse, without being forced, God freely of His own grace and mercy just lavished, Paul said in Romans, just lavished those things on us. And He went and He's gone to prepare for us a place in heaven. In the Father's house. And my place is not going to be five, five miles down Hallelujah Square and you take a right on Grace Lane and there's Michael's place. No, our house is attached to the Father's house. I will live in, literally in. I will, I will occupy a room in the Father's house. And he does that freely. But the world thinks, looks at us like we're fools for getting excited over that kind of stuff. And they do that because they don't have the Spirit of God living inside of them. And they don't know, the, first of all, because they don't have the Spirit of God living inside of them that, that teaches them, that causes them to get excited for that. And second of all, they don't understand the depths of which they've been graciously saved because they have not been graciously saved. I was saved by the grace of God early in life. Some of you did not have that opportunity. Some of you were saved later in life, and you've got some stories that I could never imagine, don't you? But 
But whether you were saved out of prostitution or whether you were saved from from a drug house or whether you were saved from Skid Row or whether you were saved from a Christian home, every person is is, uh, completely and totally unable to save themselves, unworthy of God's grace, and everyone is saved by the blood of Jesus Christ alone, by grace through faith alone, for the glory of God alone. Everybody is saved the same way, no matter how you, what you came out of. And so every person's story is a story of grace, is a story of compassion, is a story of mercy. And it's the Spirit, Paul says, that teaches us those things. And then he reminds us what we are before Christ, and that makes everything all more, more exciting. Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 13, where we're at, which things also we speak. Paul says, I'm giving you this wisdom. I'm giving you this understanding. And I'm not giving it to you by, by the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. That's why it's so vital, folks, that we do not follow the wisdom of the world because those things that have been given to us are spiritual and they can only be understood and appreciated from a spiritual mind. Paul says in verse 13, we do not speak the words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Ghost teaches. That's a direct reference to verbal inspiration, church. Right? Isn't it? That's a direct reference to verbal inspiration. That's pretty basic, isn't it? Verbal inspiration. The inspiration of Scripture is pretty basic. Paul says, we speak not. And he says emphatically, we don't speak the words which man's wisdom teaches. We're not speaking our own words. We're speaking the words that the Spirit of God graciously has given us. That is the revelation of God. You know, the Spirit of God went into that guy's brain and he pulled out of his brain the words in his own vocabulary. God did not say is, and he wrote is, thee, and he wrote thee. What God did is God went inside that guy's brain and told him what to say, but he did it in such a way as he did it by the words and the attitude and the, and the way that that man would write at the time. He wrote it in, in, in regards to his own experience. God arranged those sayings in a way they, he wanted them written, but he did, not, he did not do it independent of that man's personal Thoughts and way that he wrote. God superintended or overthrew his, what he would write, but God had him write it in such a way that matched that man's personality. That's why we can take books that the, that the author of that book is not exactly known, and we can say that this was probably written by this guy because this is white like the way he wrote. Someone asked me one time, and this was a critic, by the way. This was a critic. Why do you go in so much detail? I mean, I'll never forget this. I mean, every verse, really? Every word, sometimes? I remember I was preaching sometime, Jane, I was preaching on a sermon, and the word was, first word, word in the verse was amen. And I said, amen, stop right there. And I saw somebody's shoulders go, drop. Oh, my word. How, how many weeks are we going to be on amen? So this person asked, why do you go in so much detail? 
Every verse, every word. The answer is pretty simple to that, isn't it? And I looked at the person and I said, well, I said, let me, ask you, let me answer a question by asking a question. How much of the word of God do you believe is given to us by God? What's the answer? So how much detail do we go into? All of it. Every jot and every tittle. If I want to preach on an alpha, I'll preach on an alpha. Every jot and every tittle. You know, when Satan, remember when Satan was tempting Christ in the wilderness, first part of his ministry? Remember in one of the temptations that Jesus Christ quoted from the book of Deuteronomy, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth the mouth of God? It's interesting to me that Jesus quoting Deuteronomy, that the verse does not say the man shall not live by bread alone, but by the general principles that come out of the mouth of God. I'm not a general principle preacher because I'm a preacher that believes that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Christ says every word. He said, somebody said, well, if the words of the Bible, the actual words of Christ, why are there so many interpretations? I know you've heard that. You know, those people come knocking at your door. They have a different interpretation. And Paul gives us that answer as well in verse 13. Which, also thing, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but that which the Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things to spiritual. And here's the answer, verse 14. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. Why are there so many interpretations? Because there's only one interpretation that's given by the Holy Spirit. You know there's only one interpretation of Scripture? There's only one interpretation that's right. There's only one, uh, there was only one, what we call in theology, there was only one authorial intent. Paul, when he wrote the words in 1 Corinthians, he only had one interpretation in mind. Now there are many applications, but there's only one interpretation. And the reason that there are so many interpretations of Scripture, and they're not really interpretations at all, there's the natural man, the unsaved man, taking a crack at knowing the mind of God. And the natural man, the fleshy man, cannot know the mind of God because he doesn't have the Spirit of God living inside of him who alone knows the mind of God. So a man standing behind the pulpit that is not indwelt by the Spirit of God is teaching falsehood, has absolutely no idea of what the mind of God is. Because he's natural. You can hand him a Bible. You can stick it under his nose. And it doesn't make any difference to an unsaved person. Because they do not have the ability to understand it. The unsaved person doesn't know what's going on. To him it's all foolishness. He can't know it. Because it's spiritually evaluated. Folks, listen. The Word of God, the things of God are on a spiritual plateau that the world has absolutely no idea of how to interpret. So why does a church want to bring in fleshly means to get fleshly people who can't understand the things of God anyway? They're spiritually appraised. They're spiritually judged. They're spiritually discerned. And those people outside of the church that are trying to understand it or trying to make fun of it or trying to interpret it falsely are spiritually dead, which is why they're not getting it. 
That's why there's so many interpretations. Because you've got spiritually dead people trying to understand the mind of God. In Psalm 119, verse, 1, verse 18, Open thou mine eyes, that I may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Do I not have these verses? Yeah. Wake up there, Wichita. Folks, listen, it's not that God just gave us a law. But God has given us open eyes to be able to understand it. The Spirit has to illuminate the mind. Truth is available. But only to the minds that have been illuminated by the Spirit, they alone will have the ability to understand the truth. The natural mind, the unsaved mind, just can't handle it. They can't handle it. It's just like a blind man who cannot see the sun, so a spiritually blind and dead man cannot see the sun of righteousness. He's blinded to it. He can't understand it. Real quick, number five, I got two minutes. A rendering spirit. My wife says, no, you don't have two minutes. You are in the, you are in the red by two minutes. I'm going to have to give her a class. on. You, you need help downstairs on Sunday night, Rebecca? But he that judgeth, but he that is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him, I love this part, but we have the mind of Christ. We have the ability to appraise the word, and nobody, but nobody appraises us. You know, I don't stand as a Christian, and you as a Christian, we don't stand to be judged by the world, right? The world doesn't judge us. Our sins, and we were judged in Christ. We don't stand arrogantly in the world because you can't touch me, because our standing is only by grace alone. But we were judged in Christ by God. And the world don't know what to do with us. They don't know what to do with us. That's why you get the looks you get. Because they don't know what to do with you. They just don't know what to do. I love what he says at the end of verse 16. But we have the mind of Christ. Wow. Everyone that's a believer that's indwelt by the Spirit of God, you have the mind of Christ. Who knows the mind of the Lord? We do, don't we? Because we have that mind. The world can't figure it out. The world can't figure us out. But we understand it because we have the mind of Christ. Isn't it wonderful to know that the, that the whole reason that the world is so confused about us is because we have the mind of Christ? We're really not crazy. We're passionate, but we're really not crazy. Well, except Ms. Zagner. But we're really not crazy. But we have, mind, we have the mind of Christ. You and I are as big of a mystery to the world as Christ was. Paul quoted 
from Isaiah chapter 40, verse 13, where Isaiah said this, Who hath directed the Spirit of the Lord, or being his counselor, hath taught him? No one can teach the Lord anything. And the world cannot teach you anything about spiritual things, can they? Because you alone have the mind of Christ. They can't teach you the things of God because they don't have a way, verse 14, they have no way of understanding them. Romans chapter 11, verse 34, let me give you this real quick. For who hath known the mind of the Lord or who hath been his counselor? Only God's people have the mind of Christ and only God's people can truly know the Father. Boy, this is exciting stuff, isn't it? The Word of God is absolutely extraordinary. And what He's done for us, as you, if we will just take the time, if people, Christians will just take the time to dig into God's Word and find out the things God's done for us. Wow. And the, and the thing about the Word of God is, is that it just gets gooder and gooder. Amen. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Father, thank you, Lord, for this time in your word. Thank you for these dear people that, have, that love you and love your word. And we pray, Father, that you would bless them. We ask you, Father, to be glorified in our lives. Lord, as we trust you. Father, we stand in awe at the things that you have revealed to us tonight by your spirit. We stand, as all men are, utterly unworthy. But we thank you, Father, that in Christ... We have been judged through him. And now we stand with no condemnation. And you give us those things lavishly and freely. The world doesn't understand it. But we understand it because we have the mind of Christ. Thank you, Father, for your truth. For, way, for the way it teaches us, instructs us. Dismiss us now with our blessing. Father, we love you. We thank you for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen.